After a couple of really impressive weeks, Florida A&M has now worked their way up into the top 10 of the FCS coaches poll. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. family welcome back to another episode of the locked on hbcu podcast your number one daily one-stop shop for everything hbcu athletics monday through friday part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and i of course am darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor and current contributing writer at usa today's saints wire I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On. And if you put down a $5 bet and win, you get $150 back in free bonus bets. So go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On to make every moment more. We kick off and wrap up today's episodes with a look at the polls. We're going to wrap up with the HBCU rankings that NCAA does every single week. Prior to that, Morgan State has a major decision that they need to make about their quarterback, Todd Smith. Is he going to be red-shirted? I'm not even quite sure if that's the best choice. Let's look at all the options, though. But we kick it off with the news that came out just earlier this week. It was either on Monday or it was on Sunday that this news came out. And that's that Florida A&M is now a nationally ranked team in the top 10. We've seen them be top 25, I believe, since the season started. But they have now worked their way up and they are number nine in the FCS coaches poll. Now, it's important to remember that there are two polls when it comes to FCS play. You have the coaches poll and then you also have the stats perform poll. And then you also have the uh, they have their own version of the like the college football playoffs poll where they have a top 10 rankings. Um, but I typically look at the coaches poll. That's what I've always said. I do give a little glance to the stats perform, but I put a lot of stake into that coaches poll. And you have the Rattlers at nine there. They were 13 just last week, and they're actually the second biggest risers, only behind South Dakota. South Dakota rose six spots this week from last week. Florida A&M rose four spots all the way from 13. They were tied at 13, and now they're at number nine. So I think this is a good time for them to hit this groove too, not only because you're nearing the end of the season or – that's when they're hitting their groove. I think that this is a good time to give them this award because they are hitting their groove, right? That's the best way to articulate that because FAMU has been a quality team all year long. There have been ups and downs throughout their seasons. There have been quarterback questions. There have been things that have been present, yes. Through it all, they have remained victorious. They have always overcame, and it hasn't really been that close more times than not. 
So I've always felt as if this is a quality team. But over the last three weeks-ish, really ever since the second half of that TSU game, I feel like they're playing better ball. I feel as if these past, what, 10 quarters, that's what gets you into that top 10 ranking. And of course, some of it has to do with teams above you falling off, teams above you losing. But it's also about you playing to a certain standard. Because that team that was tied at 13 with FAMU, I'm not sure who it was, they very easily could have been the team that rose up four spots. That team that was at 14 behind FAMU, they could have rose up five spots. They could have jumped FAMU at some point. Or they just could have, you know, FAMU could have stayed in where they were. And the reason I find this to be impressive is because a lot of times you're not given that nod. I know how the committee feels about FAMU's conference schedule. They don't respect the SWAC. Same way they don't respect the MEAC when it comes to competition. So for you to move up to a top 10 team nationally in the midst of your conference schedule is something I feel like I have to credit and applaud them for. Because I look at their ability to run the ball. I saw it on full display versus PV. I saw it on full display versus Texas Southern, right? And I thought they just whipped up on PV. I thought in the second half they whipped up on Texas Southern. And then you look at this Alabama A&M game where things kind of looked weird. You jumped out to a big lead. Alabama A&M changed quarterbacks. And nowadays, that's the only way that the Bulldogs know how to find some offense. Or that's the best offense. Let me not say the only way. But that's the way that they find their best offense. They saw it against Jackson State. We saw it against um, FAMU. They rattled off 21 straight points once Quincy Casey came into the game. So it's a situation where they had to adjust to getting a new quarterback that they did not plan to have. Well, they got adjusted, and then they held them scoreless until the end of the game. So once Alabama A&M scored their little 21 points, and they actually took the lead with that, then FAMU, Florida A&M, they came and they rallied off 25 in a row unanswered. So you answered their strike with a better strike, and that's how you end up coming up victorious. And it ended in 42-28. That was the final score in the game. So they've been on a nice on a nice pace. I really do like how they've been playing over this last couple of weeks. And then you they join North Carolina Central, who is at seven right now. And that's what I mean when I say these teams. We have two nationally ranked teams, two top 10 nationally ranked teams. FAMU, North Carolina Central. And you look at FAMU who got to that rank by winning conference games and impressing a committee that typically is not impressed with their quality of schedule. That's something that needs to be acknowledged. But actually, we want to rewind. We'll get back into some rankings at the end. We know these are the two top teams. But what about the teams after that? That's something we'll close out our show with. But one of the teams that's moving up these rankings is Morgan State. But they're going to have a really important decision to make at the quarterback position in the last two games of the season. Let's look at what it is in the context around Todd Smith potentially getting a red shirt as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, and Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. And I love this thing because they have special things like Taco Tuesday. They have special things like taking football and basketball and putting them together. So insert wide receiver and insert a basketball player and you can have a combined three points three point um 
shots, right? And then also catches. So maybe it's 10 and a half for LeBron James, three points and Travis Kelsey catches. You think they're going to have more than 10 and a half combined three point makes and then catches. It's things like that that set prize picks apart. So all you have to do is pick two to six players on every entry and you'll have the ability to say, are they going to have more or less than whatever their projected total is? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think that the innovation, I think that the creativity is what really sets prize picks apart from their contemporaries. So make sure that you go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. And when you do that, use the code locked on college to get a hundred dollar or excuse me, your first deposit matched up to a hundred dollars. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college. That's daily fantasy made easy. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. And remember, on Friday at 10 Central, we'll have our college football kickoff live, which means you'll be able to be a more informed and educated college football fan on everything going on around the nation. It'll be live here on the YouTube page. Afterwards, it'll be stored and shared here on the YouTube page and also on the audio podcast page so make sure you check that out because right now we getting you right with this hbcu everything else will come on friday for about an hour but you're looking at this hbcu landscape and morgan state is and has been they are and they have been one of the more interesting teams when it comes to black college football and the reason i'm interested because their defense has been elite but their offense not so much one guy who i believe some people think could be a guy who changes the tide for that offense is Todd Smith, the quarterback. He's brought stability, and this is going to sound crazy after his first start, but Todd Smith has brought stability to the Morgan State quarterback position that they have not seen all year. They've gone through four quarterbacks all year, and yes, at some points he has been a part of the rotation. But for the first time in the 2023 season, Morgan State had one quarterback play for them the whole game. One quarterback. How many? How deep into the season are we? How deep into the season are we? This is the first game against Delaware State that you've had one quarterback all game. In every other game, you've had at least two quarterbacks attempt to pass. Not this one. It's only been Taj Smith. So that kind of stability, that kind of, that kind of, I don't even want to say performance, but just difference making ish right that sparks maybe some jumping to conclusions maybe some premature excitement right because i'm sorry i don't want to name any names because sound like i'm taking shots but that quarterback position has not been well that quarterback position has not been stable that quarterback position has not inspired any confidence but now you have a true freshman in and then the same way that I said that Jawan Howe can be the future for South Carolina State, you got to look at Taj Smith as the potential future for Morgan State. Now, I'm not saying that they're on the same level. Taj Smith has significantly more to prove. See, I say that um, um, Howe is the future for South Carolina State. 
I said that Smith has the ability to, could be, potentially. There's so many more things to prove, but he also plays a position where it's much easier to be the future. He plays quarterback. It's much easier to be the future of a program at the quarterback level. But the question is, will they redshirt him? All of these things, all of this, all of this building up, all of this anticipation for what he has, the ability to bring stability to the position. The fact that he could be a four-year starter, all of these things play a part. Do you want to redshirt him? The rules are you can play no more than four games, no more than four games. He's at three with two games left. If he closes out the season, he will enter 2024 as a sophomore. But you have the opportunity to cut him off after this week against Norfolk State and say, we're going to sit you out for the last game, and we're going to ensure that you go in as a true freshman. But is this exactly what you want to do? And I think there's a couple of things that come in. There's two big factors. One, have you seen enough? And number two, what is Morgan State's situation within the conference? Let's start off with if you've seen enough. If you have not seen enough, there shouldn't even be a discussion about potentially redshirting him. That's not even something that needs to be talked about. You don't even need to say, hey, we're going to red shirt Smith. No, no. <laughs> if you haven't seen enough, then you still need to see if he can be your quarterback of the future. That's what seeing enough means. If you've seen enough to say, yeah, this guy is the future. We think that he's going to be our starting quarterback for at least the next couple of years. Now we can have the conversation. And then the conversation comes in. Do we need to get him some more seasoning? Is he going to be ready to be a day one starter at the top of 2024? As long as there's no injuries. Are we sure that he can be your starter day one? Can the experience that he needs to be ready for the first game, for his first season as the starter, can he gain that in practice? Or does he need to have more reps? And the answer to those questions are going to decide whether or not you would want to, uh, you would want to redshirt him. But maybe you don't know the allure. Like, what is the actual allure in redshirting a player? Well, now you're getting him for a whole nother year. And, and it's one of those situations where he only threw three passes against um, who did they play the week before? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Norfolk State? They don't play Norfolk State this week. They play South Carolina State this week. They'd already played Norfolk State. Um, but he played, he threw three passes against Norfolk State. Very minor action. Very minor action. He threw a good amount of passes against Yale, but now you come in this game, you're the starter. You're at three. And if he had just not played against Norfolk State, then you could run him out the season or you could play him out for the rest of the season. But it's decision time. Because if you feel like you want him for four more years and you don't have a shot at the MEAC anymore, then the idea of putting him on ice so that you can get four full years and not five games in year one, there's a lot of value in that. But the key word is not only... Is he your guy? But then also, where are you in this race? Because if Todd Smith is my guy and I enter the last week of the season with a chance to win the MEAC, you're just going to have to play. Like, we competing for the MEAC first. We're not competing for the future when the president is right in front of us. And there is a very easy possibility. The game against Howard versus North Carolina Central. Central can win the MEAC and none of this matters. Right? Morgan State could lose to South Carolina State this week and none of this even matters. But if you still have a chance, so basically if you win, if you win this game, 
and then you play Howard the following week, you got to keep him in. If you win, excuse me, if you win this game, Howard wins, and then you play Howard the following week, you have to play him out, period. There's not even a discussion. It's not even up for debate. But we'll see. All of these things matter. All of these things matter. Is he your guy? Does he need more seasoning? Have you seen enough to make a decision on whether or not he's your guy? And can you win the MEAC? The answers to all four of those questions have to have the right answer. It's a very specific. It's not, ah, uh, well, if it, it's a singular combination. You need to have seen enough. You need to know he's your guy. You need to know you still have contention for the MEAC. What was the other question? Yeah, seen enough. They got it. You know the combination. I would have to run it back. I'm not about to run it back right now. But overall, <laughs> I just caught a mad brain fart. You got to have the right combination. And it's only one combination that says, okay, redshirt Taj Smith. But as we move forward, let's look into the HBCU rankings. We know who one and two is. One and two is the same teams that they've always been. But why three through ten? especially number three, because we have a new addition to the top five that we'll explore and say why is the right call and the right placement as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. We have college basketball back in. We got the NFL in, we got the NBA in, we got hockey in, we got everything. MMA is having events every single week. Matter of fact, there's a huge fight for the vacant heavyweight championship, I believe, this week. And then you also have um, the, or excuse me, the vacant light heavyweight championship this week. Like you have major, major fights going on and major events in all the sports. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make every moment more. Now, if you put down a $5 bet and you're new to FanDuel, and you win on that $5 bet, your first $5 bet or more, you'll get $150 back in bonus bets. It's that simple, and it's it's so much fun when you know what you're talking about, and then you get paid for it. I get to do it on a daily basis, and you could do the same thing if you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, and make sure you take advantage of the potential $150 bonus bets. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get back into our rankings. We looked at FAMU and how they're in the top 10 nationally now. And we know that they're going to be number two in these rankings. We know that North Carolina Central is going to be number one. We've seen that. And nobody is going to move them off of that spot until somebody moves them off of their spot. But until that happens, the conversations always start with who is at number three. And number three is now Alcorn. And I love it. Number four is now Jackson State. And number five is Tennessee State. So that top five has had a good amount of movement. And I know we haven't talked about it in two weeks, but you look at where they were just a week ago. Alcorn was at six on the outside looking in. Jackson State was at five. Tennessee State was at three. Southern was at four. So we had 
Tennessee State move down, but stay in the top five. We've had Jackson State move up, but not quite into the top three. And we've had Southern drop all the way out of the top five. And we got to look down to see where they at. And they're right where they should be, with all, with all honesty. They're right where they should be because of how they played against Alcorn. But instead of focusing on, oh, well, Southern's down there at eight. Let's look at what Alcorn is. And that's a team that has risen from six up to three. And it's kind of funny to me when looking at Alcorn, because I remember when I was first evaluating these rankings, Alcorn was winless at the time. And they were above teams like PV. They were above teams that had wins on their record. And I remember asking, and I, you remember, I'd be like, what are y'all seeing? Because they're not winning games at that time. I always have faith in the talent, but this is about resume. And your resume says you're not winning games. So how are you above these other squads that have a win under their belt? And it's just so funny how the tides have turned to where if we would have been on talking about this last week, I would have said Alcorn deserved to be in the top five above Southern. I have never been high on Southern. At no point have I been high on them. I thought they were hitting their groove, and as soon as I said that, they plummeted. Also, what you have to realize is I am the kiss of death. I am the kiss of death, and you better hope I never part my lips to talk about your school in a favorable fashion. Because if I do, then you got to drop to your knees. You got to pray. You got to do whatever you need to do. Because things go bad, and it's happened repeatedly. But I got to talk about your team. It's what I'm here to do. Is what I'm here to do. But as soon as I said Southern was starting to figure some things out about the offense, they couldn't pass the ball against TSU. They couldn't do diddly squat offensively against um against it wasn't FAMU because they actually had a decent game against FAMU. But they couldn't do diddly squat offensively against Alcorn. They couldn't do anything in the two games since I gave them some credit. I said that Grambling is the new team to beat in the swag. They done lost three of their last four. I said I got to give PV some credit. They lost to Grambling. How many more times must I say this. I used to I used to be funny. I used to think and joke about the announcer Jinx, but the podcast of Jinx is a thing. And I don't know if it's anybody but me. But how many times must I do this? I cringe a little bit when I talk about a team. Honestly, but you know how I didn't jinx? Ladarius Owens, 100 yards again. Came with an L, of course, but he got 100 yards again. We keeping that swag offensive player of the year pressure on, even though we know it's going to Jeremy Moose. So we keeping that pressure on Ladarius, and I like that. I like that. But this isn't about Ladarius Owens right now. This is about the HBCU NCAA rankings. And this is about Alcorn and why it was the right call. And I like Alcorn being exactly where they are. I understand that they had to jump Jackson State, but I think this is a team that has looked really good for a while, and they've shown up against pretty much every good team that they played. It was an overtime loss against PV. Outside of that, they'd be undefeated in the conference. Now, you can't take that out of thinking, but Jackson State's not undefeated in the conference. They don't. They have more than one loss in the conference. You know, Granted, they might have played the two best teams in the conference. That might be a thing. They might have played the two best teams in the conference, but still your resume is your resume. And I feel like Alcorn, especially Aaron Allen, has showed up in the big moments. I've seen him throw for over 300 yards against PV for over 300 yards against Grambling. Him to have a really good day against Southern and he didn't have to go ballistic, but he had over 100 or excuse me, over 250 yards against Southern. I've seen him do this over and over and over and over again. I cannot wait to see what he does against Jackson State. All eyes will be on that for me. 
But outside of that, you look at Tennessee State. I like them staying in five because they were fifth. Hampton was sixth. They have very similar resumes, both 500 in a non-HBCU conference. Tennessee State has the better overall record, and they have the better record against HBCUs where, well, technically Hampton is two and one, but um, Tennessee State's two and oh, so they have the better record. Um, I almost said that, that they were one and one, so that's why I was confused for a second. But um, yeah, so let's see. Southern's dropped down to eight. Got that out of the way. And then if you go a little bit lower, South Carolina State has climbed up into the top five. South Carolina State has climbed into the top five. And what's interesting is that this season looks ready to be written off. And one moment I will always come back to when we're talking about South Carolina State season is number one, that homecoming game against Howard that felt magical. You had a true freshman running back who ran for over 250 yards, nearly set a new school record. You have Buddy Pugh on his way out, his last homecoming, crying true tears on the sideline of joy, right? I will always remember that. That will always be the biggest moment for me unless something else happens. So at this current moment, that will be the biggest moment of the 2023 season for the South Carolina State Bulldogs. But the other thing I will remember is not too, not too positive, but it feels like a turning point. And it's when Buddy Pugh said, I've seen more and more ain't good. And that's when I put the, to- or the, the season in the toilet. That's when I threw it away and said, you know what? This is not happening. It's not going to be a good year. And they've exceeded my expectations based off the quote of their own coach. So they were able to turn the tide around. And I'm sure that Pugh probably didn't feel like they would be able to play or be able to beat Howard with what he had already seen. So those are two of the bigger moments in the 2023 South Carolina State Bulldog season. But after doing what they did to to, uh, Howard, they deserve this top 10 ranking. But I think they got it right. I like this order. I like the order, one through 10. I'm rocking with it. I'm sure there's probably some things, if I look too deeply, that I might be able to tweak, but it's not my list. Who am I to be overly critical? All in all, I like this list, Stan. I like this list, Stan Becton. All right, now, On tomorrow's episode, we'll be back with our extra games to watch. It's not quite our game of the week, but the SEAC and the CIAA both have championship games going on this Sunday, or excuse me, this Saturday, so you need to check those out, and we'll break those down on tomorrow's episode. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on that Black app, not a bird, not even Twitter, but X, at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, shout out to my day ones who know that one. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.